0: Is it possible to have an economy of abundance that actually nurtures well being? My friend Stephanie thinks so. She believes, she understands that Indigenous people have held a way for us, that Indigenous people hold an understanding of reciprocity. And understanding that we, human beings, that we actually make up the economy. And understanding that we are here, all of us are here to steward the well-being of Mother Earth. And so she built an organization called Seven Fires. And Seven Fires is here to help indigenous communities and other people remember a better way. A way that indigenous people have held for the millennia. I met Stephanie Gutierrez. When she was the fellow at a two-year she was a fellow at a two-year fellowship, and I was immediately taken by her spirit. There's something about the the radiance of her smile and the humility with which she holds her genius. Stephanie is very concerned about the economy and about development in communities that need it. A development that is consonant with the well-being of the planet. And she also understands that it has to be holistic, that it has to include the whole person, that it has to include our healing. Stephanie also brings brings uh a, a creative genius uh to the work that she does. There's a way that uh, that she understands the creative impulse that is inspiring and in a way in which she speaks about the way um we can hear ancestors and spirits, and all of those forces that want to ally with us, how they are with us, even in the hardest of times. And Stephanie is somebody that, that's been through a lot. Uh, and yet, she holds herself in such a way that tells us we can get through anything. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation with her. Uh, I feel like we get to a little bit of a slow start. We, we get caught in, in maybe some organizational talk in the, beginning, in the beginning, but then the conversation picks up steam and, and we get really deep into, into those parts of the heart that really matter. Give it a shot and let me know what you think. My name is Gibran Rivera. If you don't know me, I am a guide and a teacher, a coach, a facilitator. And with this podcast, I'm inviting you into a conversation with remarkable people who are devoting their lives to the evolution of consciousness and culture. Enjoy. Stephanie, this conversation has been long in the making. I am so excited to be with you today. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you.
1: Um, Thank you for the invite.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell me, um, tell me where you find your, yourself right now. Where are you calling in from? I'm
1: calling in from uh, the land of the Osage in the uh, state of Missouri. Um, I'm from a. I'm, I live in a small rural community called New Haven, and uh, it's population two thousand rural farm community.
0: Beautiful, and is that is that the land that you that you come from?
1: No, no. Well, I was born in Denver,
0: okay. um,
1: and my father was from Missouri, um, and my mother was from South Dakota, from the Pine Ridge Reservation. So I call that home. Got so, it. yeah, ended up in Denver through. I always tell people that um, my life experience can be based on a lot of federal policy. Uh, my okay. mom went to Denver in relocation and met my dad there on his way home from just getting out of the Vietnam War, or the uh, sorry, the Korean War.
0: Wow. Well, you know, it's a it's an interesting thing, and it's very, very different, but but still a point in common that that Puerto Ricans and Native Americans, Indians have, which is the, all of these federal policies made for you and, and, and you don't really have a, a clear say in it, you know? It's a very strange thing to be colonized in that way ongoingly.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I know that
0: so much of your work is, is focused on decolonization and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about Seven Fires. I want to talk about Hope Nation. I want to talk about you as an art maker. I want to talk about all of those things, um, but I want to. I want to start. Well, maybe a quick mention of how you and I came into relationship. You were a fellow with what their organization, what that was at the time, called Bali, the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies, and uh, I was a f- privileged to be facilitating that fellowship. And I know that that I actually it was. It, through that fellowship that I met Tuesday and entered into relationship with Tuesday who's the woman I'm going to marry so you you've been part of a pretty important moment in my life a, a witness uh to this undercurrent uh, so uh uh just to name that and I it's good to see you laugh because I'm sure it was more obvious to people than we were than we were aware of. Uh, But but let's talk about you instead. (laughs) Um, um, One question i like to start with, Stephanie, um, is a question about belief. Uh, I like to ask my guests to share uh, an experience of changing their mind, an experience of having held a belief very passionately, very tightly, maybe identifying with it, and either completely letting go of it Or at least holding it more loosely. And I do this because I'm trying to interview, be in conversation with people who I believe are devoting their lives to the evolution of consciousness and culture, true evolutionary leaders. And I see you as one of those people. And I think it's so important in this age of when people are just doubling down on their ideologies for us to understand that we have to change our minds to get where we've gotta go, that there has to be an openness to growth and that changing our minds, shifting our beliefs is essential. And I'd love to know how, how leaders like you have done that. So I'm wondering if you have an, an, uh, an example.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, while you were speaking, the one of the first things that comes to mind is, you know, we grow up um, often, you know, I grew up Catholic, um, grew up in very structured systems that you know, sort of told me what I was going to do, where I was going to be as a woman,
0: right. you know, as a
1: mother in my career and education. It was, it it pushed to dictate that. And it, although it may have done it in a way to help or to provide, um, you then had society backing that. And you know, there were times where, you know, I I knew what I was supposed to do. And, and I would get myself into situations, marriages, relationships, um, jobs, and I'd always come back to the point of like, but this isn't what I really want to do. And I think the belief that I can do something else, that I have choice, that I dictate those choices, that I actually can agree, disagree, um, and sometimes still hold space for those things, but create it and, and allow it to be part of my own ecosystem that I want to create, letting go of some things completely and letting go of parts of things. But the understanding that I get to make it what I want, I get Mm. to make my life, you know, my beliefs and my admiration for things, my, even down to hobbies, even down to, you know, that I get to decide that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even how I use a degree, how, how I use my, um, MSW, how I, and that, and you'll hear, you know, we'll talk about this, but how I see the economy and myself, we, we, as part of an economy, even that, yeah, that we always
0: yeah. have choice. That's, um. Uh... That's so good. That's so good. It's like, uh, yeah, that seems like, uh, obviously a very life changing shift, right? To move from my job is to perform what has been handed down to me to my actually, uh, making a choice about what fits and doesn't fit in this life I'm creating for myself. It's a very potent and, and, and it is a good time. It is a good moment actually to jump right into, um, this concern that you have um with the economy and 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 this work that you're doing around it and the vehicles that you're using to do it and I ask it because uh, I ask it now because to me it's so obvious that what we that you know the kind of economic system that we have the extractive economic system that we have has been sold to us as natural right like that's been key in a defense of capitalism there's been like two or three key things it is materially most prosperous right which in some ways could be true but at the expense of generations to come that it is that it is natural that it that it, it aligns with human nature a big part of the proposal right and that and that we just don't have anything better Those are like key tenets of like the. It's like a faith. It's like a religion. These things cannot be questioned, and and it seems to me like uh, you are doing a great job questioning that. And it it makes sense given this this shift that you're speaking of. So I would love to hear more.
1: Yeah. So it's definitely a part of that process. Um, I tell people that it wasn't until I was about forty. The early 40s where I realized that oh I I am part of an economy that I you know that I am that I have a voice that I have a voice in it and it was eye opening to me because when you know as someone who you know definitely spends and buys and and um and sees all these informal types of economy that go on. And, and I was a hustler. I hustled. I mean, I hustled since I was five years old, (laughs) you know, I, I wanted something or I wanted to make something for somebody. And then somebody said, you could sell this. And man, I was selling. Um, I remember going to school, selling barrettes, right. You know, drawing flowers on it and writing names and selling them. Um, but I didn't realize that I had an part of or an impact on an economy, a small economy, a big economy, the world economy. And so many of us don't. So many of us, like you said, live from the perspective that it's put upon us and this is just how it is. And now figure it out how you're going to play in it. And, but here's what we encourage. Spend, 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 buy, 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 think about yourself Uh and let the powers that be handle the rest. And uh, I think my biggest eye opener was in Bali Uh when I was in the fellowship and realizing, wow, how many of us are not encouraged um, made a part of Allow our voices aren't allowed in those spaces because for a million reasons your color your gender your beliefs you're not educated enough you didn't graduate from this school whatever and it's this pushback that your voice doesn't matter and that's where the power that's where the power is and Just being a part of Bali introduced me to that I wasn't alone. There are other people out there doing the same work, coming from different places as artists, as farmers, as um, developers, as uh, forestry people, as... um, researchers, as medicine people. I mean, there are so many coming together and being introduced to different communities who are doing it, who are reclaiming and revitalizing in their way. And sometimes really small, minute ecosystems, but they connect to all these others. So there's this underground current that's happening. Um, And, you know, you've heard the Restorative economy and um, these terms of uh, making, creating new economy. And there isn't, what I found was that there's a lot of discussion and talk, but I wasn't finding the tools or like, what does that look like when I go back home and actually sit down and try to do this?
0: Right.
1: Um, and so I was introduced to Democracy Collaborative. Um, when I worked at Thunder Valley CDC, Community Development Corporation um, in Pine Ridge. And I went back home after my MSW and worked there. Um, And I was the social enterprise manager. And I was introduced to the concept of, of community wealth building. And it was difficult. I won't lie, it was difficult in the beginning because, you know, my brain only operated from what I was told and, and shown. And so I read, there's a couple books they put out, and I read one in particular over and over and over again. Until I realized in applying this to a community like Pine Ridge, one of the very poorest communities in the country, but rich in culture and rich in relationship with one another that it, it has to be framed through our values, our culture, through that lens, that Lakota lens. And I uh, worked with um, some great people and really listened to the community and translated community wealth building into an
0: indigenous Lakota way. Okay. That sounds remarkable. That sounds remarkable. And it's okay. And and so is that what Seven Fires is?
1: So Seven Fires is been in the making for, since then, um, to bring it and revive, to, to bring it back to indigenous communities, to say, hey, remember, remember how we used to do things? Remember when we made decisions and choices about our um, ability to to care for one another through an economic lens? Remember when we did that in a really cultural um, system that no one was left out of? Mm-hmm. We all, all of us, all, all, everybody did. All, and it could be. Thousand years ago, 500 years ago, 200 years ago, some are still doing it, but operating in a way that we're all cared for. We're all provided for, um, no one, there isn't this sort of, uh, you know, I can be as rich as I can be. You can't be when you're living according to your values. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the piece that I think is often missing, um, in our, in our general economy, and so indigenous community wealth building is really built off the premise that we start with our values. Okay. We, we really, we hone in on those and actually not just state them, you know, but sit in and really understand what it looks like, what we want it to be, what, and where are those elements active right now? Where do we see them? And it's taking those areas of strength and like, what can we expand on? Um, you know, you've seen, I mean, there are so many, um, individuals that are left out of the economy. So for instance, the unemployable, um, people who've been incarcerated and we know, we know for lots of reasons why, um, that aren't necessarily about, uh, making good choices. Um, and they're left out and how do we, how do we employ them? How do we rehabilitate? How do we... And the economy has a big role in that. So indigenous community wealth building is built off of um, democracy collaborative uh, coin drivers. And there are seven drivers. We've added one more, which is culture. Got, it. Got um, it. And and the other thing that we also noticed in this work, and I think it comes from a more personal place, is as a woman. I noticed that it's oftentimes that men are at the the power positions in our communities making those decisions, but yet we know from the research and from our own lived experience that Indigenous women are the breadwinners and the primary spenders, but they don't have a voice. And I've been in many conversations where you know, we'll be in a community and, and I'll be sitting with the women or standing with the women and saying, you know, do you know what they do in the economic development um, building or departments? And well, they bring us in money. I'm not sure how it plays out, but I don't really know. I It really doesn't affect me the way that I want it to. And I okay, well, what would you, how would you want it? I need a laundry mat right now. I trade with so and so. I watch her children. She watch. She has a washer and dryer. I mean, there's this informal trading that's going on, informal um, economy that happens to 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 um, to survive. Right. right. And um, and I think it's important for us to empower our women to speak to that, to speak to their experience of caring for their children, caring for their families, caring for their extended families. What does that look like and how
0: does it apply to our economy? That's amazing. That's amazing and and, and yeah, just also outrageous, right? That over and over again in so many contexts, the most impacted are the voices ignored and, and out of the conversation. What a what a bizarre way to to do anything or to move anything forward. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Um, I know that one of the things that you're doing is building this fellowship for women. And I know that the fellowship is not just, it includes all these ways of thinking, these tools and and, and these frameworks, but you're also getting a some deeper, right? Human parts, the more transformational parts. And, I definitely want to hear about that in relationship to to, to the work that you that you're moving forward and how you're connecting that to to this very concrete economic bits. But before we get to that, I would love to hear what you're willing to share about your own journey of transformation. I know uh, that you've had to overcome uh, a lot as a as a younger person and also as an older person you know, uh, that kind of overcoming has been the way you've made it here. And that to do that, I know from our other conversations that, that, that there's, that there's a spiritual journey. There's a, there's a a transformational journey that you've been on and now you're bringing to others. And I'd love to hear first about, about your own experience and then see how you're translating that, that for others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I can't often, I mean, so like you said, so much of my work leads back to, to who I am and it's purpose driven work. And, um, the purpose comes out of, uh, yeah, I lived in, um, I grew up in the child welfare system, um, was a foster child, lived in an orphanage, what they called it for the first from the age of five to nine. Um, and then moved into a foster home and aged out at 18. But what's interesting is, um, at the same time, there were five of us. Um, two of us were together, my oldest sister and I, um, we went through the orphanage and, 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 and ended up with one foster family, a wonderful family, wonderful. Um, my three younger siblings, uh, they were in six homes in 10 years. And, um, you know, the impact of that was I no longer have one of my sisters and I no longer have one of my brothers um, living in, in my life and um, lost my mother at a young age to alcohol. Um, and But more importantly, to, to shame, to grief, to historical trauma, um, to colonization. And the Women's Fellowship really comes out of that um, piece of wishing that my sister felt that she had a voice, wishing that my mother felt that she had a voice. And that's more importantly, not just a voice, that someone's listening.
0: Right, right. Wow. Yeah, no, I can feel that. I can feel the, the potency of that. And uh, again, just from our ongoing conversations, how, how much you're holding that with your heart, you know? And uh, something had to happen for you, um, you know, since living, leaving, you know, aging out to today that that, that gives you a sense of agency and a sense of power or, or, you know, and I'm wondering how does that happen? How do you, how did it happen for you?
1: Yeah. I can say, I mean, there's so many things, but the thing that the one piece that I think is most important for people to to know where they have power is I had people along the way um, touching me and Mm -hmm. providing me with love and guidance and support and all along the way, volunteers, you know, volunteers. I always say when I was in um, the orphanage, you know, I was blessed. I got to go to every circus, every event. I got to experience all these things, you know, and, um, but along the same time I had individuals sharing with me, you know, and encouraging me. And even in my, my teens and then into my adult life, there were people speaking to me. I went through a really difficult first marriage, um, a pretty abusive marriage And people like um, Maya Angelou and Mm a couple of other people that I read, um, their voices are still with me. Ilyana Van Zandt, Mm -hmm. she was my sister through that. She walked with me. I've never met her in person, but she is part of my life. Wow. And she carried me, she listened to me, I cried with her, she shared with me, she taught. And there are many and they continue. You, you are one of them. Oh, I'm so moved by that. Who who and I and people say, Oh, you know, you lost your family, you don't and I said, I went and I found lots of mothers. I found wow. lots of brothers, lots of sisters, and I filled those spaces with people who I got to choose who I want to be my sister.
0: Yes.
1: Friends are the family you choose. That's right. And so who you surround yourself with is so important. And I get it through movies. I get it through poetry. I get it through art. They speak to me and they feed me and teach me. Therapists, counselors, teachers, professors. Um, I... One of the best compliments I've gotten in the last week was someone who knows me really well. And she said, the fun thing about you and your learning and your process through all of this is you stay curious.
0: That's right. That is so true about you. That is completely true. I know that about you. Yes.
1: Just curious. Ask. And, and ask even those things that are really you're scared to ask.
0: And you're not mm-hmm. sure.
1: Go deep, pull it out, because, and and find someone safe to do that with. But that's where your greatest learning is. Yes, that's where so, I've expanded, incredibly, from one little conversation.
0: That's remarkable. I love I love hearing that. It's it's so true, and it it, it goes back to the beginning of of this one, right? Where like, if you just want to like double down on what you think is already true. And you don't make room, you know. And yes. you know th- this question, Stephanie, right? Because I know it's something that that is true for you as you as you do all of the work that you do. But I'm thinking about this, the fellowship, especially because of the transformational aspects. Um. This question of how is it that these experiences that can really break so many of us actually make some of us make some of us, you know, into this, these beings that, that, that can carry light, you know, and, and I, I know you, I know, I know others, because I made it my, my purpose to know others, and I know, for example, Tuesday again, who I know you know, who's just what she has had to endure, and then to, to be this, this being of magic and light, it's like, it's a big question, I ask myself, like, what is it, right, that I makes it So that some people come out, come out of that kind of situation stronger and others not, I I, I don't know the answer, but I know that you're one of them. And I know that, that, that you're trying to bring what you think helped others, you know, what you think helped you to help others. I, I wonder where spirit. Um, False in all of this for you. Um, what can you tell us about that part? The inner aspects of this, of this work. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, yeah,
1: it's, it, that's where my heart. Um, as soon as you you were asking, my heart was already saying like. Some people call it having faith. Um, I call it being in relationship with, and. I you know I feel like since I was a little girl um I believed and knew there was something greater and there was more there was something more powerful operating within us amongst us you know all living things there was this connection and some say well that's you know it's your indigenous connection well, I didn't care I didn't care why I just knew that it would I saw how it had held me through moments. Um, And, you know, I'll give you an example. When I was nine, I remember sitting outside my bedroom window and my bed was up against the window and I would look up and the moon was up there. And um, I would talk to the moon and I knew that the moon saw everyone, that everyone on the planet saw that moon. And also over time, that moon has a relationship with us and all living beings as far back, you know, as, as long as we can, we, we've been around as long as history, as our planet's been in place. And so that moon is like a spirit. I'm like the power of that, just, it left me with the, the a knowing that I wasn't alone, that we all get through somehow some may not. Some may take different paths, but there's these. There's the environment. There's the world that the creator's put in place for us to find moments of peace and moments of. And I and I I drew it. I drew myself sitting on the thing, and I was nine, and it was part of a. Um, I had a homework assignment. You know, what does God look like in your life? Like, wow, Catholic. And people brought, you know, these pictures of, you know, the white Jesus with the blue eyes. And, and I brought this picture of me. Oh, my God. My silhouette in the window in this moon.
0: Wow. Oh, my. That is, that, you just made me cry. This is, that's so beautiful. Imagine at the age of nine to just know that.
1: And I, like you said, sometimes we don't know. We don't know why. but. What I never lost was that sense that of faith and belief that there's got to be a better way. There's got to be, and and I and I have had moments where I've prayed, and I'm not um, necessarily a Christian follower. Or I believe in our Lakota spirituality, and I believe in lots of ways to do that, lots of modalities, you know. And I remember thinking. Um, calling in Jesus, calling in Buddha, calling them into the room and feeling them. Oof,
0: I'm just and that
1: right. You, I've got to make a decision. I have to tell my husband I'm leaving, and calling them in, and I felt their presence in the room. Wow! So that that faith piece, the other, the second one that's equally important is understanding the love relationship that you have with Creator.
0: hmm
1: That you, that there's so much love there. And if you're born in the essence of that, the way we believe, we're born pure, we're born whole, we're born, born connected to spirit, why wouldn't I love myself? Mm-hmm. And I that that was a journey. The self love journey was a hard, long journey. Yeah. yeah. And. But the rewards of it have been phenomenal in my life. I wouldn't be sitting here, had I not done the work. Yes. Do the work, and as hard as it is, I mean, whatever that looks like, therapy, um, retreats, meditation. Um, I, yeah, recently went on a one week meditation, um, you know, uh, medicines, you know, Western and Eastern medicines, um, your own spirituality, your own culture. There are so many ways to learn to love yourself. Yes. So many ways. yes. Yes. Use your creativity and don't tell me you're not creative. Everybody's creative. <laughs> Use your creativity. Find it. And don't worry about what people think about it. Just do it.
0: Because yeah.
1: you're the one who goes to bed at night with you. And you have to be, you have to go to bed peaceful and happy. So so do what you need to do.
0: Yeah. That's that's so beautiful. Thank you for the gift of your attention. If there's something here that resonates for you, something that feels true and good, think about a friend that you could share it with. We cure it for each other. And that's the only way the good stuff spreads. A couple of threads to pull on here. I, I, I do want to say, from, from my capacity as it might work as somebody that helps people heal. It always befuddles me, it strikes me that one of the reactions that people who, who have been hurt, especially as children, one of the ways in which they make sense of it is by holding shame about something they actually have no guilt over. Right, it's this um, it's this very strange thing that our mind does. It says, "I must be bad." I, it's almost like the only way you can imagine having any say, it, 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 and 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 it's just interesting because the path to loving ourselves is like loving ourselves out of that, you know. And I just, I just, I just wanted to say that to the listeners because the people are they're out there kind of holding this sometimes secrets deep in their hearts and thinking that something's wrong with them. And, and the only way is this path. And and it takes, you said there's there, we need others to do it. And when it, when the healing modalities and when it's faith and spirit, but, um, the only way out is, is that one. So I just, I just was moved to say that because it's, it's good to hear somebody that's, that's moving through it. That's on the other side of it. So something, that one of the threads, I want to pull on a couple, but one of the threads from what you said that that I found so powerful from the beginning of this 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 part of the conversation is faith as being in relationship with, you know, the mystery or the creator, right? And then again, you know, understanding that relationship to be one of love. Um, and there's something about, um, there's something, and tell me if, if I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am, about indigenous ways that is that it's all about relationship, right? It's like we are related, we are in relationship with the earth, we are in relationship with the moon, like you have said. There's a centrality of the interconnectedness of it all that is central to the medicine that indigenous people are carrying to the understanding of what it means to be a human being, you know? And I wonder I wonder what more light can you bring to that?
1: Mm. Yeah, as a Lakota woman, um You know, as a Lakota, we say, uh, which means all my relations. And it means we have a responsibility too. We love each other, but we have a responsibility to one another. And we also have reciprocity. You know, there's the four R's, reciprocity, responsibility, respect, and... There's another one. I often forget this. But it's the idea that there's this um, mutuality between us. And, you know, someone who has gone through trauma or has lived in dysfunctional relationships, that can be very challenging. Um, because uh, sometimes we have to separate ourselves in those relationships physically. We have to detach But it doesn't mean that we don't love them. It doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to do what we can. And for me, it's about doing responsible, taking responsibility in my work so that women like my sister and my mother know they have a voice, giving them the option. There is an outlet for that. Um, You know, giving money when I can, Um, you know, contributing uh, giving my time and energy. So, so there are many ways that that can look. Um, and it's, I also think that for me, that, um, belief has deepened so much more to even like microcosm levels. Um, I'm actually, um, I'm doing more art in my life and I'm returning to that in a sense. That was really what I wanted to be when I was little. I want to be an artist, and so um, I'm. I'm my my uh, art is uh, mixed media, and so pulling pieces together, you know, and collaging and building and um, assembling things, and I'm noticing even little things now and realizing like they have power in themselves and that they're, especially with living things, um, but pulling in those pieces into my art, that art isn't just about uh, something beautiful to see, but it's also an expression of who we are. And we're, we're, we, can, we can do a lot of healing in that work Um, but we can find the connection to little things that we didn't realize that we had, like the moon. I had, I had a connection there. Um, But even in plants, you know, and noticing the beauty of them and not just learning our traditional knowledge about them, but the ways that they've evolved and -hmm. that they are serving us now. I have a friend who's Osage He's um, part of Seven Fires. He's our program manager for the Indigenous Community Wealth building. In fact, he has I have a stack here of things that he's canned and he's pulled he's um, harvested. He's foraged and he's teaching me about Missouri foraging. Um, but not just like what they they taste good, but more importantly, what place they serve because we all are here for a reason to serve. What's theirs
0: And learning that. Um, yeah. Yeah this is this is great. This is great and I'm glad I'm glad you you mentioned your art again and I mentioned it at the top of the call. I wasn't going to let this finish without that. And uh and uh and you also mentioned it came back up, you know, when you mentioned the 9-year-old girl and the, the drawing with the moon. So it's, it's obviously been a, an expression. I I, I know that I've sat through, through one of your vision boarding workshops and I I you know, in my family my brother became the artist and once he became the artist then then I was the one with the words you know what I mean it was but before that I drew just as much as he did you know it's almost like these things that happens in families and I just kind of stopped right and so when I when you led us through that collaging vision boarding any experience like that is way out of my comfort zone but once I'm in it I'm like whoa there is a power that's moving here in this room and in me right now and and, and, you know, you have become the, uh, the, the the owner, the leader of Hope Nation Consulting, successful consulting work, and now you're building this nonprofit, Seven Fires, and you've just done all this other work, but, but you're an artist, right? You're fundamentally an artist. And, 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 and so I would love to hear more about your relationship with with that creative life force of the universe as it moves through you, and, and yeah, and I, I can even feel like if people get, so not everybody's seeing, right? But I can feel even a little shyness come up even now. And so I just want to invite that part in here to speak with us, yeah.
1: It's um, every time you've mentioned it, I'm like, ee! I get so excited. It's just, it makes me happy. It brings me so much joy. And, um, you know, I stepped away for it different times in my life and I would go back to it. Um, as a healing, as a way to heal. But I think now more more than ever, I'm realizing the capacity that art has. Writing is a form of art, you know, and the capacity to use art to learn from about ourselves and to learn about others, to share with others who we are. I just recently got back from... Um, Paducah, Kentucky. And I went to the National Quilt Museum. And some would say, you know, like, really? I I can't imagine it being that exciting. But I have this passion for quilts because they're an art form that I find them in. um, I actually find them in antique stores and Goodwill and people like literally give away that quilts their mothers made and I, my husband calls me the "quote saver/slash savior," um, not in a religious sense, but because when I get them and I'm washing them and I, I, I'm folding them, I'm thinking about all the women or men who stitched this and the prayers that they put into it, the mindfulness that they put into it, and i'm thinking you know this was when her daughter got married this was when you know she her husband got sick this was when she lost her mother like you think about that and the quilt museum was a wonderful way an example for me to share it was um about the civil rights movement and it was women um and their stories um black women who have, who were played major roles in the civil rights movement, maybe not formally, but also informally. And this artist made coats, um, and told their stories on them and quilted their stories. And DeBron, it was so moving for me because you walk in and they're hanging from the ceiling. And I noticed they slowly move. Um, And I realized as we walk through them, you're walking through them, you're seeing how they marched, how they stuck together, how they connected through their stories, through their communication, their language. Um, They found support from one another, that they weren't alone. And... And these women, some women are still alive and they these quilts are art forms that tell and move you. I mean, you feel what they've, what they might, you can only imagine what they might have felt. Yes. And, and then being women, that they still were mothers and grandmothers and daughters and they still had roles to play, but yet they were monumental in this movement and art can be that expression for any of us for our our stories we all have our own stories and art is such a beautiful way to do that and I am I'm coming you know I'm over 50 and I'm in that place in my life where I want to start telling stories
0: my stories that's right it's it's so much more apt you know than all the that all of the kind of heady knowledge that is, that is centered right in in Western kind of uh, settler culture, right? It's like all from the head up, and uh, it disconnects us from everything that matters. And art opens us up, you know, because it 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 just it just catches us sideways, you know. I I always say like I, for me the, the an example that I use often is the um, because I've done a lot of work at the intersection of arts and social justice, right? And and so there's this beautiful shirt of a, a, of a butterfly that Fabiana Rodriguez painted, and it's a yellow bright shirt, and the, the, the monarch is gorgeous, it's striking. And then in smaller letters, it says migration is beautiful. And I just imagine walking by somebody, and they see the butterfly, and they see it's beautiful. But they might not think migration is so beautiful, right? but 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 they've been moved by the beauty, right? Before they get the words, right? And so it opens you, it, it catches you by surprise in this way, right? It's, yes. Um, yeah, it's yes.
1: An yes. And for those of us who um, still struggle with, with putting our voice out there or some still struggle with the idea that their stories matter, um, just play with it. Start. To start any way you can.
0: You know, I, I interviewed for the podcast and um, I don't know if you know her or heard of her, Jihan Giron. She's the Dinea woman. And uh she's been a powerful climate activist, Black Mesa Water Coalition for a long time, and and uh kind of got to got to a place of burnout, got to a place of real like physical health troubles, you know, and and um, she used art to heal and also to reclaim her creative life force. Mm. And now she's, she calls her, she's an artist, right? She, has, she had her solo show, you know what I mean? Like she's, she was still like consult to help people like in the movement and to bring indigenous perspectives to this work that we're all trying to do um but i just want to bring her up as somebody i will let you know um i'll let you know when her podcast episode releases because i, just, I mean, it's just amazing to see to see two of you indigenous women talk about matriarchy right talk about women talk about art talk about healing like and you don't even know each other right so so obviously there's this thing that is known and being felt right by women in these communities that we all need to bring our attention to. You know, it's a very powerful thing. It is. It
1: is. Thank you. Thank you for sharing her with me because, yeah, another sister that I'd love to know and learn from, Um, especially, you know, I think, like I said, as I get older, um, I have to be careful of how much energy I am putting out and, I have to be careful that it's not, I'm not imbalanced and I'm not, and art for me, this next, this next stage of my life balances that for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it takes so, it can be so, one of the challenges is to trust that, you know, to know that the other work will actually be better. Yeah. If we're in tune with that life force, right? Yes, but,
1: yeah. yes, it can be faster. You okay. can work faster because one of the things I said when I started doing more creative work was I realized how differently I was seeing the world again and mm-hmm. that created that my creative lens was appearing all over and therefore I was seeing things differently in my work. I was seeing value the value of it differently. Um, it's kind of like a drawing. It's like, eh, that doesn't fit. I'm going to erase that. Eh, I'm going to add color over here. You know, it's, it's a tool to, to help me stay balanced um, in my work. Because this work can drain us. It can take right. us quickly. Yeah. Um, and this is a form. I, I, I actually, my therapist, you know, I'm, I'm doing some forgiveness work. Uh-huh. And I said, how do I do this? And I had started with the fact that I said, well, I'm I'm learning to crochet again. And um, I crocheted when I was five. The nun, um, Sister Johanna at the orphanage, taught me. And um, she let me go. And she turned around and she said, are you done? And where are you at? And I pulled it out and it was 18 feet long. (laughs) She said, oh, you're done. She had no (laughs) idea that I'd gotten that far. So here I am as an adult again, learning it again. And she's telling me, you know, I said, "Where? How? How do I do this? How do I, how do I forgive?" And she said, "Crochet." Wow. And I was like, "Here I go again. I'm going to create another 18 foot scarf." (laughs) But but she's it's was so dead on because that's the place where your mindfulness, you you're at a relaxed state. And you don't go too deep into the trauma. And you also don't need answers. It just lets you be.
0: Wow. I can feel the spiritual practice of it. And I just, I want to thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, I could bring myself there. And I just want to commend you on the forgiveness work. Because it's another part that uh, that is essential to our healing. And, you know, I... Um, in the 12-step programs we're taught that you actually can't be sober truly sober and hold resentment you know mm. so before you even when you do your inventory before you even do like harm's cost you you first make an inventory of your resentments right and and i was having i had this experience quite recently in ceremony where because I, I don't feel myself walking around with a lot of resentment. I feel like I've done a, a fair amount of, mm-hmm. of that part of the work but in the ceremony I discovered that I don't even know what the stories were, but that there was still resentment being lodged inside of me right and uh, and and, as, as, and they, they were like in, in the vision it was like blue threads you know and like each one would like come out and and the more of those threads would kind of be pulled out, the fuller and bigger and more generous of spirit I could be, you know. It was this really potent, visceral experience that, for example, I didn't even know I had. You know, so 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 that that is such courageous work, and I'm just so grateful that you brought it in here, along with some very specific tools for for working with it. Are you going to bring art making into the fellowship or <laughs> other parts of the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I'm actually working with a friend of mine, and in creating a space, um, a mixed media sort of space where we'll do workshops and um, and and classes, but it will be with um, the center being healing and transformation. I, see. I see. And so, um, yeah, stay tuned. I'll be. More information is coming out about that, um, but yes, definitely, there's such value in people just um, expressing. Just like you said, even I mean, the visions that you get. I mean, what a beautiful vision—the blue threads and the, the just—that's that's art. Your mind is making art to tell you a story.
0: And- yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's so true. It, it does. It does make me wish I could I could replicate it, right? Because it, it's so clear in my mind's eye. I want to ask you a, a, a different question. I Just want to say before I even ask that the, the generosity of your spirit and uh, the the truth of this art and this creative force that's moving through you is really perceptible here and now, and it's just it's just really clear when somebody's listening to the true their truest selves. Uh, one can feel it, I can feel it, and I trust our listeners can feel it too. So thank you for bringing that that here. And I wish everybody could see the way you're glowing and smiling. As some people can see it on YouTube, but I wish people could see your face right now. Um, I wanted to ask you about, because there's something so much in what you've said about staying curious, staying open, right? Like There is a, a freshness, a newness um, that that you're open to that you're looking for open to different pathways um that might not be from your tradition always you know what i also hear like a very clear commitment to to older ways and to things that we need to remember that others of us have forgotten right and that that indigenous people have held and are holding and so i wanted to you to speak a little bit about how you hold that attention, right between that, that, commitment to something that is older, like you said, a thousand years ago, more and 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 to use continued openness to the new. How do you hold that?
1: Mm, yeah, um, that used to be a real struggle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was it was really more about society saying what um, what I should be and who I should be and. Um, you know, one hand there was the shame and then there on the other hand is this, um, this interest society has in being indigenous and, you know, and then there's this, but wait, I'm more than that. more than that. I'm, you know, I, I descend from Irish people, German people. I'm also a woman, a mother. I'm also, you know, a, a community advocator. And, Holding space for redefining myself is a very special place. Like, it's, I keep it close.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, not, not in a way that keeps people out, because that, that's that curiosity. I want to learn. I want to know. But um, I listen to my own internal voice, and I listen to my intuition. And does this resonate? Does this feel? Does this fit? And there are times where I don't even have to ask it. It's like it's on. Like I want to do that because that feels so. Uh, it just resonates with me. And I and not just in a cultural sense, spirituality sense, but that I'm more than an indigenous woman. You know mm-hmm. that, that I I. I of course I am. I didn't just have one mother. I didn't just have one father. You know, I mean, I've recreated all of that. And, but I, but I protect that space in a sense, because society has a way of continuing to dictate what I'm supposed to be. And so, so I really hold it protectively. And I don't, I don't have, I used to worry about what people might think. Like, you're meditating, that's not indigenous. Like that's not native. We you know and it's like, mm, actually think about it, you know, do some research. Um but we're all related. So why wouldn't I learn from someone else? Why wouldn't I if I'm invited in to learn that? Of course I'm going to.
0: That's right.
1: And it speaks to this piece of me and this speaks to this piece of me and we have to do that. We have to because mm-hmm. we're not alone and I can't just rely on one thing anymore you know me
0: that's right that's beautiful that is so that is so moving and and I find I find courageous I think about I think about our work as a forward-facing remembering right so there is something that there's that, something that that many of us need to remember that many indigenous people hold better. Than we have, you know, sometimes I I'm doing a healing session for somebody and there's a particular song, a specific icaro that I that is in my mind right now, a song for the hummingbird. It's a feminine voice and it's just her voice and it's actually in Spanish. It's not in an indigenous language, but the modality is indigenous. There's something ancient about it. And you know what I say to the person oftentimes when that song comes on is, is the human heart has always broken it breaks it's part of being here and walking the earth so that's as ancient as us you know but so is healing right and so are the ways to heal and and so much of the healing is 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 integrating all of your parts is bring is putting yourself and your parts back together right so and then and then we do that so that we can face what is in front of us, right? We face forward. We allow ourselves to evolve, to grow, and to change, but without integrating, but by integrating and including what is most important, and most essential yes. that, our, that our that our ancestors and our elders hold and teach, and yes. and that have made it through millennia of songs before internet and before books, right, and stories, because they're the most important things, right? It's a it's such a powerful, powerful thing.
1: Yes. Right? Yes. And, and, you know, you think about the the push to, um, for us to deny and to exonerate ourselves from our indigenous beingness and what that did. So at the same time, why would I deny any of these other parts? Why? You know, they're equally important as that. And... And I know that my ancestors would say that.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and courageous. Beautiful and courageous. I am. Um, I'm gonna ask you uh, a couple of questions that I asked people towards the end of the podcast. But if there's anything I also let you know that I'll make room if there's anything else that you wanna say, anything that's gonna be said, any 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 words that you wanna share. Um We'll make we'll make room for that too. But the the, the first question that I like to ask my guests here at the end is, I like to you know with with your permission, right, uh, invite you to do a little time travel, and in that time travel, to move to just kind of leap ahead to twenty years from now. And to meet yourself there. And a lot has happened. And you a lot has changed. You've accomplished a lot of what you set out to accomplish, and some of it you hadn't you haven't. Some of your spiritual work and spiritual attainments have developed and some you're still working on, you know. But you certainly have more wisdom, the wisdom of twenty more years and of being committed to this path of of liberation and transformation. And so the question for me is if 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 that lady, that that Stephanie from the future could come back to this moment, what would she say to you and to us? What would she say? Mm. <laughs>
1: She would say, the path of forgiveness is ongoing, and it's a beautiful journey, that grief can be beautiful. Add color to your life Hmm. as much as you can. Add color. And that can look however, however it fits for you. And anything is possible. I can prove it to you.
0: <laughs> wow. Woof, I felt that. i f I'm feeling you, I'm feeling you. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. And and, and, and from that place of, of wisdom, of power, you know, as somebody that's already referred to having been in at least one abusive relationship, I'm sure there's been other other things that that men have done including excluding including excluding right um the other question i like to ask my guests you know is i like to ask the powerful women in my life as a man as somebody that's committed to working with men to helping men become better Uh, especially in these years since kind of the culture at large was was shaken right by 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 the voices of these women speaking what had been happening forever right but just kind of saying it aloud right so my question my question to you is what what should men do in my work with men right what should I bring to them what what would you share that that you think we should know or do to be better to show up as conscious men right rather than as toxic ones. Mm.
1: Don't be afraid to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. in the space of vulnerability to a woman can be the most powerful, attractive space there is in a man when he's vulnerable and when he
0: trusts
1: the women in his life. Yeah. That's so
0: beautiful. That's so powerful. Thank you for saying that. And it's amazing because I was just speaking with a woman in my life uh, who is married to a wonderful, wonderful man. And she'll say that. And she'll say that even this wonderful man who is so earnest in wanting to be a good a good partner and a good father has can get caught, can can just like be so afraid to show up in his vulnerability and instead under stress will show up with anger right and with blame and it's just it's just like you're just afraid man (laughs) you know what i mean you're just you're just afraid you're just in a situation that you don't know how to handle and and this is the right time to yes to trust her and to because that's what she's saying she's like every time he comes to me in tears I will meet them, you know. I yeah. will do everything I can, right? It's such a yeah. powerful thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: and the most powerful men I know, who are in my life, that I've chosen, have been vulnerable with me and allow me that space. And it's I'm I feel honored, yeah. so honored.
0: Mm-hmm. You're it's one weird. of them. Oh thank you. Thank you. I so honor. I'm so m i am so I so love our relationship and thank you. Thank you for the trust you place in me. And thank you for gracing us with your presence here. Thank you for saying yes. Uh thank you for letting this other listeners know you and the light that comes out of you and and you know, one something you'll have to do eventually is get your art on a screen, right? So that people can see it and, and ask for it and so yeah. just to just to just to lay that that mm-hmm. possibility that I see there, because people are gonna be listening and yes. when they hear somebody speak like you do, they might want to see the art that they yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you wanna say to us? Anything you wanna share, any closing words? Anything that have, might have gone unspoken?
1: Mm.
0: No. Yeah. No. I'm satisfied. Yes, that's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Uh, I, am, I know that my heart is lifted right now, and that's what we want to do. We want to lift hearts and show people that there is a pathway to liberation and to transcendence and transformation. Yes. And to do that in a way that meets, that meets humanity where it is and all the challenges that we have. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Thank you. for doing that. Thank, you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, your friend. Thank you.
0: Signal versus noise. There's so much competing for our attention, and I am so glad that you stayed with us through the end of the podcast. It should mean that you're finding something meaningful here, hopefully something worth sharing. And so I'm asking again that you think of somebody who would be touched by this conversation, who wants to be a part of it some way. It is a decentralized conversation. It is a way in which we're changing ourselves by leaning in towards each other in places like this and in the exchange of these ideas. So who's a person or two that will be specially moved by what you've heard here today? Send them a text, an email, let them know we're here. We're not trying to reach everybody, but we wanna reach the right people. We want to keep having this decentralized conversation. We want to keep working on getting right to the edge of the evolution of consciousness and culture. To see what we find here, together. Thank you again for being a part of this. Liking the podcast helps. Subscribing is definitely a good thing. Feedback is always welcomed. Stay in touch.